say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Jameson does it. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, welcome in everybody on this Thursday. It is Thursday, right? Wednesday, Monday games throw me off. Wednesday games, if it's Tuesday, I kind of I can center my week. Wednesday, it's Thursday. There's a game last night. We'll talk about that. Looking forward to talking about it. It was a win, and nothing crazy happened after. Is that allowed? We'll hear a little bit of uh, Jim Beheim both post game uh, last night and what he said on Orange Nation not uh, one half of an hour ago. We'll play that back for you at uh, parts during the show today. But the Orange went down to uh, Tallahassee and uh, took care of business. It is Super Bowl week. As we all know, there is a game, the Super Bowl, coming up on Sunday. You know, the biggest single-day sporting event on the calendar every single year. And because of all the just wackiness we've had going on for the last couple weeks, we have barely talked about the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday. There's a football game. They're playing against the Eagles on Sunday. There's a football game. We'll get into the Super Bowl today. And, you know, I know we normally, if there's a game day, we start on basketball and all that. But uh, today we are going to start on the Super Bowl. We're going to take our own angle into it here because our first guest today, and we're going to kick off the show with it. We don't usually start off the show like this, but it's a special day. We've got Don McPherson uh, with us. We wanted to talk to Don. There's two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl for the first time ever. It's Black History Month. Uh, Don, as we bring you in, and welcome in, Don. Uh, glad to have you here. Um, as I'm sure people remember, uh, you also are a black quarterback uh, going back in the day. So it, it is all converged here this year, uh, Don. And it, it, you know, I, I found myself thinking, and always great to talk to you, that, you know, okay, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are playing in the Super Bowl, the quarterbacks of the 2-1 seeds. Well, yeah, of course they are. Like, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. And then on the other side of the coin, my goodness, this has never happened before. <laughs> this is extremely historic. And we can get into, you know, what you had to deal with getting to where you made it. But how did how did this hit you when, you know, it's like the two leading candidates for the MVP on one hand, which is normal. And on the other hand, it's something that's literally never happened before. You know, it's amazing. My last year at Syracuse was, and that was also the same year, 1987, 88, uh, January of 88, that Doug Williams was the first black yep. quarterback to start a Super Bowl. And he got that question that you just reminded me of when someone asked him, how long have you been a black quarterback? <laughs> yeah. And how do you answer that? I think it's funny because I've been saying this, and I say this in my lectures, that you know, I went to work at Northeastern University when I retired to work with a, a, a white man named Richard Lapchick, whose dad integrated the NBA in 1950, Joe um, and And I always say that I wasn't a quarterback, I was a black quarterback. And I would say it, and I say it to this day in, in lectures that I do, in past tense, like I was a black quarterback, like that was a thing. And I, mm-hmm. then I kind of cringe and say, it still is a thing. The fact that we're talking about it is almost embarrassing a little bit as a, as a culture and, and certainly to your, to your point as a, as a football player. I mean, these two guys have been, you know, in this football landscape. I'm a college football guy more than a pro football guy. And uh, I remember Pat Mahomes from, from his college days at Texas Tech and um, 
And, and if you watch Jalen Hurts and what he did at Alabama in that national championship game when he just was the consummate team player, uh, you just this, this makes sense that these two guys are playing in the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden our sort of our cultural history slaps us in the face. That this is the first time that two black players, when the when the league is is sixty seventy percent black players, mm-hmm. uh, I was just watching Roger Goodell get grilled by a journalist um, this morning. Uh, about the lack of black uh, hiring in 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 media as NFL Network, that we haven't this, that this is still a thing. I think is almost a little embarrassing for the league and for us as a culture to be to be almost like celebrating something that should have happened a very very long time ago. Yeah, and it, it, it is so strange, right? Because I mean, you talked about it. Like you're at great '87 season, and literally it led right into. I mean, that was the same season. It led right into Doug Williams. That was a, what a month and a half later when he led the Redskins. Uh, to the the Super Bowl win uh, that year, and then like the next black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, it, it wasn't until Russell Wilson. That that's a decade ago, and and now we're thirty five years after that. It, it, it's so strange because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Don, because I'm sure you'd have a better sense of it than I. It feels like we are past it in a way, and you know, going to the youth level that you know the black quarterback thing is less of a thing in like high school. They're like, if the guy's the best player, like, Hey, put him on the field and, and, and let's go. But at the yeah. same time, we're still talking about it. it, it it's the weird dichotomy there. That, that's kind of hard to get a grip on. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think in many ways, when it comes to, uh, you know, I always say about Syracuse university, we had a black Heisman trophy winner before the SEC had a black player. And, and that's changed dramatically. Right? You watch the SEC game and, and what you see is mostly black players. And so I think we're in terms of being on the field and playing the game, there's no question that you know there are black quarterbacks playing in the NFL that I've never heard of. And I'm a college football geek. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where did this guy come from? Right. And so there certainly is a trend that is moving in the right direction of more black guys getting the opportunity to play quarterback. That stigma is gone, although there still is. You know, people will often talk about these two guys uh, especially Jalen Hurts and, and you know about their athletic ability and 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 their escape ability and uh, and not the fact that they're both tremendous tremendous leaders, uh, men of of integrity, uh, family men. They're good good men, and I think that's what, that's that's the intangible that leads you to a Super Bowl is that kind of integrity of of a, of a man that they are. Uh, and I think that's the part that, that you know, it, it's one thing to have the ability to go out there and play and, and the game, the style of the game improves and, and is more conducive to an athletic quarterback that, that I was accused of being. Um, but but these are these guys are tremendous leaders, and that's why they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, going back to when you were playing, right, that was used, you know, in the transition to the professional level, right, that was used against you. And now it's used as a, as a compliment, I, I guess, and, you know, a, a positive. It, it, it's strange, like, it's not like the way you play, and I, you know, obviously things have advanced in 35 years, but it's not like in the grand scheme of things, the way you played and the way they play is any is any different. But now it's viewed as a positive when 35 years ago it was you know it was not at the NFL level. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I laughed the first time I met Johnny Unitas, and I won the Johnny Unitas Award, and we watched. And at the at the dinner, they were showing my highlights, and, and I I remember feeling like it disappointed him a little bit. <laughs> like he's like, "Why are you running all over the place?" So I'm like, "Well, that's what we did, Johnny. That's how we played." And and that style of play evolved. What we were doing in the '80s, 
evolved into this, you know, this run pass, this RPO offense that you that you see everyone doing that people are still uh, are you know doing in the NFL even and 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 that sort of the evolution of the game certainly made it. Um, Acceptable to have a have a quarterback that can move that's that's more mobile that's not just going to sit in the pocket like like old Johnny U and others. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's a whole different thing now. It's, it's the whole league now. It's it's what it is. It doesn't matter yeah. like black black white or otherwise. I mean, Daniel Jones is running all over that's the right. place for for the Giants, and you know that's uh, that's just kind of what it is. Josh Allen, it just uh, is kind of what it is right now. And I guess that I guess I guess that's good to see, right? Well, you know, it's good to see, and it's also, um, you know, you saw what happened with San Francisco uh, in in the championship game that that they were without a quarterback, and and you know, when you see what what was being discussed today around concussion um, and the multiple concussions, we saw everything that happened with Tua this year. Mm-hmm. It, it is the way the game is going, but it's also taking your 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 most expensive player, your most valuable player on the field, in, in, in at least economically, uh, and putting him at great risk. And and the, the players are, are are bigger and stronger and and faster than ever before. The collisions are are more violent than ever before, and so it is the way the game is going. But it's also taking um, you know to the point where they're saying that the teams are going to have an emergency third quarterback you know, on the roster uh, just for these these sorts of uh, moments on these sorts of issues. So. Yes, the game is going that way, but it puts your it puts your quarterback in a really really tough position if he's got to keep running the ball to, to get first down. Uh, yeah, they they hit you a lot harder in that situation than they do if you're, a lot harder. Yeah. in the in the pocket these days. Don, Don McPherson is our guest. It is Super Bowl week. It's always good to talk to Don, uh, regardless of the reason. And uh, it, you know, I was listening to KJM last week when they were talking about this, Donnie, and it was Keyshawn Johnson. Who said, you know, when I was coming up, so Keyshawn's younger than you, so this would have been, you know, in the early 90s when Keyshawn would have been, you know, junior high, high school level. Like players of his athletic uh, level, like I'm sure Keyshawn could have been a quarterback, were pushed, you know, his position, wide receiver, or secondary, or whatever. T- take me back to when you were that age. Obviously, you ended up as a quarterback. How, how, how did you end up uh, as a quarterback at that age in the early 80s? I was. It's funny because I, I had to. It was almost like a, a, a annual protest. Um, I was a running back and a defensive back in, in little league, and then um, started playing quarterback and probably, probably about thirteen. And I actually switched high schools to go to a high school that I played little league in, in that community to be the quarterback. Mm. And and it was it was a town that that they knew me because I played little league there. Um, but it was a predominantly white white school high school that I went to uh, for my last three years, and it was I it was controversial at the time. And then and then coming out of high school, I was a, a two sport high school American athlete in track and football, and I still had the controversial uh, article written about me. And Doug Williams was at with Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time. He actually called my house. Hmm. Uh, because a, a, report, a reporter from Newsday down here in Long Island told him about me because I was challenging college recruiters, asking them if they had, ever had a black quarterback. And, and you know, there's a there's a infamous story I won't, I won't get into now with me and Penn State because uh, I wanted to go to Penn State. And and they, you know, balked and balked about uh, whether or not I would be able to play quarterback. And it was only Coach Mack who, like, you know, in t- typical Coach Mack fashion, people would remember and love him. And Coach Mack says, I don't care if you're green, purple, or, or yellow. If you make help me win, you're going to play quarterback. And he stuck to it, and he stuck with me. And when I came out of uh, and went to the draft in 1988, I wrote a letter to all 28 GMs telling them, don't draft me if you're not going to play me a quarterback. 
And it was, again, a bit controversial. I had a conversation with, with the coach the first day of the draft and called me and said, hey, we got Jalena, but we think you're a quality kid and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, don't, don't bother. If you, if, you don't have a, if you don't think that I'm 100% you're a guy, then find someone else who, who to play defense back. Or I got plenty of guys here on my team. Um, Rob Moore and, and William Pennefeather and Deval Glover, those guys can catch too. Go get, go get one of those guys um, and who, who can catch and hit and do those things. That's not, that's not, that's not what I do. Yeah, that so th- it was, it was, it was, uh, uh, so yeah, that, it was something that I. Yeah, you know, like Donnie, we're, like, we're, th- we're 35 years later now talking about the draft, and you know, it's funny, like Bryce Young may be the number one pick in the draft year, right? And the question about him, well, is he tall enough? And that's it. Like, that's the only question. Like, and, and people move on. So it's it's fun. It's amazing what's changed, right, in 35 years. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that was the, it was funny because I remember them saying that to me about was I tall enough. And my coach with the Eagles was a guy named Doug Scoville, uh, who actually passed away in midseason, my, my, my second year in the league. And Doug said, you're just as tall as Steve Young. You're just as tall. And I didn't, you know, I never met Steve Young. And, um, and, and Doug was like, you're plenty tall enough. And it was like, you know, all those excuses that get made mm-hmm. um, at the time, I, I don't think those, those same excuses are being made today, but uh, because those guys are getting out some opportunities. Dumb. And, Bryce, and Bryce, Young, Bryce Young is a baller. I mean, to, a, mm-hmm. to prove that you don't have to be 6'5", to be a baller in the NFL. Uh, no, like Bryce Young, he can put it wherever he wants to put it. Like, he, he can throw the ball. <laughs> That's right. Now, uh, that said, the big guys are still trying to hit you. We'll, we'll see how that works at the NFL level. Man, he can he can put the ball in the right place. Uh, Don McPherson is our yes, guest again. here. Uh, Super Bowl week, uh, talking to Don ahead of this matchup with his Eagles and the Chiefs and, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts uh, coming up this week. And Jalen was actually at the Dome about a week and a half ago now after the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know you said you're not a huge NFL guy, but what do you make of this matchup here, uh, Donnie, with the, you know, Mahomes who's doing it as well as anyone's done it and uh, Hurts the young up-and-comer? I just, you know, having played in Philly and having a love for that city um, and, the, and the run that they had this year, I just think there's such a momentum. Both of these cities are, are great football towns. And, and again, I don't, I don't watch a lot of the NFL. I, I, can, I can see highlights and I can see what Mahomes does. I, I, I can get the gist of watching just a little bit. Um, but I think these both. I think Philly is riding on an energy right now, and their defense. From what I've seen, their defense. I was talking to uh, Zaire Franklin a, a couple weeks ago. He was uh, we were up in Syracuse together, and um, you know he was just talking about uh, uh, Philly's defensive line. Which when I every time I've seen them come, they just they bring it, and I think they're going to give Mahomes some some trouble. And uh, I just feel like Philly has that that momentum, and they have that swagger that. Uh, that they had a few years ago when they won the Super Bowl, and I just think it's going to happen against Philly. And, yeah, that's obviously coming up on Sunday, and you can listen to uh, the Super Bowl uh, right here on ESPN Radio in the Qs. And uh, Don would be uh, remiss to cut you loose without a, a little Syracuse uh, football uh, chatter. There's been a lot that's happened. I think we last talked when the team was 6-0, and and we were kind of riding that wave and the whole thing, and obviously the, the rest of the season didn't go as well as would have been hoped. What, what did you make of this offseason here for for Dino Babers, with you know, he had to do a lot of work here turning over his coaching staff over the last few weeks. Yeah, I, you know, from watching from a distance, and, and and I don't I don't have inside information, but just watching from a distance and being on campus and watching the program so closely over the years, um, when you lose your 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 defensive coordinator, your offensive coordinator, your special teams coach, your your. Uh, your recruiting coordinator and 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 you're starting you know some 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 cornerbacks. I think I hate to say, I have to say this and throw this in there, Brian. You know me. I, I think it's really I think transfer portal is worse 
for student athletes than even the whole pursuit of, of the NIL dollar. Mm. I just I just don't know how many of these these kids who are transferring after their second and third year are, are going to graduate. Are they going to go someplace else and graduate? Are the, are the credits going to transfer? And I know everyone looks at the game and looks at the money, uh, but the real money for these guys is as student athletes. The vast majority of them are not going pro, and if they do go pro, they're going to be in the league for an average of three or three and a half, four years. Uh, and, I, and I just... So I just say that. I just throw that out there as my little personal commentary on, uh, and I think that, that Syracuse losing players, losing coaches, um, is, is kind of a, it's a tough thing to do. And I, I asked Dino Babers about this a couple of years ago. How do you coach in the transfer era? Uh, when you get kids that come in, you know, mid-January or maybe they they get there in in summer because they just you know finally got their credits and finished their academic year at the other, other institution, are they finishing that? And then you got to bring them in and create a team. And, and football is the you know when I when I talked about Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts, those guys are great leaders. And and it, it was one of the most difficult things to do in football is to bring eleven guys together. Um, you know, and and really bring a cohesive team and get special teams players, uh, to, you know, to go out there and sacrifice the bodies the way they do. That takes team, and that takes pride in, in the place in which you sit. And I and I just think it's uh, it's going to be really tough for Syracuse to bring that and get that kind of team together. Um, new coaches, new players. It's almost like you have a brand new franchise. And I know that it wasn't a wholesale. You know, exodus, but but I do I, I do think we lose significant people, uh, especially coordinators who are doing most of the coaching. Uh, it, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, and not just Syracuse; it's happening at so many schools now with just the, this it's, turnover. Exactly. And you know what you mentioned. And, and that's a, I, you know, I think, like, you mentioned the academics. The people that hate all the transfer portal stuff the most, I think, is all the academic coordinators. Because, like, them trying to figure out what transfers and what classes are what at one school to another. It, it is wild, the amount of stuff. Like, okay, that class is this at Syracuse. What the heck was it at, at you know, Nebraska or something? As they got to uh, figure out a way to tie all that together. It, it is wild to watch all that stuff behind the scenes. Really is, and, and I and I think that that is. I, I do think that you know people say where is this going to go, and, and the NIL thing is, is a headache for, for for college presidents because now they have to look at whether or not there's legality. Forget about the NCAA. Mm-hmm. There's Title IX implications. Uh, there's all kinds of other ways in which you know are these outside entities are they the ones recruiting student athletes to the school, or is the school recruiting them to the school? And and what's 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 the obligation of, of sort of these outside entities, these you know the collectives and and you know people who want to who want to put up some money who are outside, they're not only the outside the the, the, the sports program and athletics department, they're outside the institution, and so there's there's all kinds of implications about you know who are you who are you, what, what's your role in shaping. I do a lot of work on campus, and I'm doing work now on campus working with men around masculinity and the culture on campus. And and that's something that, that, that should be, I'm, I'm hired by Syracuse University to do that for our community, mm-hmm. right? to help build a stronger, a, commu- a stronger community where people support one another. And when you start to having these outside entities that, that are moving kids around because of NIL or, or inducing kids with NIL dollars, you know who are who are those people and 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 how are they? And this is across the country that this is happening, where where the the athletics department and uh, um, are really they're still in the mix, but they're not supposed to be because if they are in the mix, then then it's a an inducement and all that stuff. So it's it's a really the a difficult time, and I think the thing that's going to change it 
Um, and I think Congress is going to step in at some point with the NCAA, which is why we have a new NCAA leader who doesn't come from athletics, is, is you're going to have a, a whole host of kids who are going into the transfer portal who are not graduating. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of NIL and the whole point of transfer was to give these young men a better opportunity. And, and what, what's going to ultimately happen is you're going to see a bunch of guys who enter the transfer portal who don't graduate, and those numbers are going to get very fr- – and, and quite frankly, gonna, most of the numbers are going to be black athletes. And we're going to have that conversation all over again. Yeah, because, hey, uh, opportunity, and, uh, you know, we could talk about this all day, but like, opportunity is not just the, the football part of it or the basketball or, or the whatever. Pick your sport. No. It, it's it's no. all the stuff that goes into it. All right, Todd, we could, we could, uh, liter- feel- yeah, we could literally do yeah. this all day, I think. Uh, my, my sponsors might get mad. I think we, I think we got to play some commercials. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is always, no, no yeah, it is always great to chat, my friend. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. And, uh, hey, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks for a few minutes. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have some reason to talk uh, again down the line before too long. I'm sure of it. I'll see you soon. All right, Don McPherson, uh, the great Don McPherson. We, we can talk to him about whatever, whenever, for however long we feel like it. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, we, we do need to take a break. Otherwise, if we don't play the commercial, so I'm told, we don't actually get to talk about anything. I'm pretty sure how this this whole operation works. With that, we'll take a break. We, uh, If you want to talk about what Don talked about, more than welcome. 315-437-7644 is the number. does tie in a little bit of a way to the NIL and Jim Beheim conversation we've been having uh, all week long. And we'll talk about the actual basketball game that actually happened last night that Syracuse actually won. How about that? Two in a row for the Arch. All that as we roll along here on this Thursday afternoon. It is the 315 all across Central New York. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.